Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Happy Mother's Day. Um, and I was thinking about it this morning. You know how when um, it's like Christmas and you say Merry Christmas and you just say Merry Christmas back? Like that's normal. So even to like men that have said Happy Mother's Day to me, I want to be like Happy Mother's Day. Um, but it just made me realize that sometimes um, with certain holidays, I was thinking about this last night, we can make them exclusive, you know, like Valentine's Day feels like it's only for the people that have significant others. And so it feels exclusive. It feels like some people are not included. And then I think sometimes that feels that way about Mother's Day. Um, so I just want to make it inclusive because I feel like um, every woman is a mother in some way. And even God himself is so mothering. So we all have the ability to mother someone else. And we all have the ability to nurture someone else. And so to me, that's what this day is about. It's not about putting a star on certain people. Um, Jesus never came to be exclusive. He never came to highlight just certain people. So happy Mother's Day to all of you. And may you be inspired today to nurture someone, to love someone well. Um, as God, I mean, the mothering quality comes from God, right? We're created in the image of God. So in the same way God nurtures us and hides us under his wing and we feel safe, like let us be inspired by this day to go do that to someone else, okay? So if you guys will stand, I'm gonna go into reading a psalm and um, I'm gonna read this to you. It's gonna be up on the screen. Um, so just follow along with me as I read it. Um, Psalm 31, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. 
then verse 15. My times are in your hand. Say that again. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. I'm going to pray this over you today. Jesus, make your face shine on your servants and save me in your steadfast love. So God, make your face shine upon us today. Save us by your love. Because when your love captures us, when we truly encounter your love, what we can do and who we are and our abilities become limitless to love each other well. So save us, heal us today. For those that come into this day with wounds, save us by your love. We thank you and we honor you and we lift you up with our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I felt the Lord give us this scripture and it's Revelation 21 and it starts out talking about the new heaven and the new earth and God coming to adorn his bride and this is what he says. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The things, the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write these words for they are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without any cost. Jesus, we just thank you that you are faithful and true. God, to every word, to every promise. Lord, we thank you that you are the beginning of all things and that you are at the end of all things. Lord, take our vision higher, take our longings deeper, that we are no longer consumed or distracted by what's in front of us, God, but we know what's coming. We know that there is no more pain. God, that we know deep within us that in the end, you will forever be worth it. Lord, I pray that you just cement that in our hearts, God, stir it up in us that no matter what we face today or tomorrow or until our last day, God, that you are at the end of all things and it is good and that you are a God coming for his bride. Lord, we desire to make ourselves ready. Cleanse us, teach us, guide us as a bride waits for her husband with all the desire and all the passion that you are forever worth it. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Hey, y'all. I'm Jen Pinto. I'm married to that handsome man there. Um, we, um, we here at River City realize that today is hard for some people. And so... Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. I feel like as Americans, we have a tendency to romanticize most of our lives. You know, we do it with jobs and marriage and, okay, uh, trips. Um, we do it with parenthood and relationships and holidays. You know, we just, Disney encourages us. Um, but um, we realize that not everybody lives a Hallmark version of this holiday and other things. And so just wanted to share a little bit of my, our story with you. In 2000, 
Bill and I um, began trying to have a baby, and we spent five years on a very frustrating and disappointing journey. And um, during that time, I wanted so badly to be happy for my friends who were becoming moms, but my grief was so strong, and I totally hated Mother's Day. And so I realized that there are probably people in here that are not crazy about this day. And whether it's moms who have lost children, I mean, it can be grown children, uh, kids, infants, stillborns, and miscarriages, we realize that you guys have gone through grief. Um, I also realize that some of you have lost moms, and some of you don't have good relationships with your mom. Some of you may not even know your mom. And so we want um, you to know that it's okay. We understand if you struggle with it. Um, I want to make sure I'm staying on. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and so we want to love and support you, whatever your journey is. And we want to celebrate you guys as women because mothering is not a status. Mothering is a way of loving. And you guys do it so well. I mean, you mother our babies and our kids and city kids. You mother our middle schoolers, even if they may not want to be mothered. But... Um, but you guys mother in life groups and in mom's group and in recovery group. You mother at Carriage House Festivals. You mother at uh, Campbell High School, dinner and devotions. And so um, when you guys meet together one-on-one, -on -one, when you pour into somebody, when you walk through grief with somebody, that's mothering. Um, so I want us to um, augment the way we look at it and celebrate it. Um, and during meet and greet that's going to happen right after this, I want to encourage you to come and get a carabiner. If somebody has mothered you well here, take a carabiner to them. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Tell them what they've done for you. Um, and if you're struggling on a journey, um, come and talk to somebody. We don't want you to walk alone. We want to love and support you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to grieve with you. And so um, come and find somebody. We love and appreciate each one of you. Happy Mother's Day. Um, I just received a Mother's Day carabiner. So it's that kind of community. It's awesome. The mother heart of God. Amen. It's <laughs> awesome. All right. So this is a crazy message I'm about to preach from the craziest passage in the Bible. But first, there's an envelope near you that has a picture of our picture day. And it's, it's neat to see, like, the picture's getting bigger every year, and on this one, it's like, oh, I'm sure I'm in there somewhere. But if you're over the age of 20, you're not going to be able to see a face in this. Like, Steve, you're not, you might as well just not even open it. You might as well just, it's good. I'm just going to tell you about it. <laughs> it looks beautiful, though. And if, if you can, put it on your fridge, what I think will be good, if, just pray for the church when you see it, specifically the guy on the bottom right. Just kidding. Thanks, Amelia, for doing this. Thank you, Tyler, for helping her put it together this morning. Um, we're going to get a big one printed out in the front. I love Picture Day. I probably romanticize Picture Day a little bit, I think. If you know me, you know that I do that. But I value it. I love to see who's here, and um, I love the new people that are coming. Um, I, I, I value this community a lot. This morning, I was on my way in. I come in, when I'm preaching, I get here super early and just walk and pray and 
study, and I love it. Um, I get excited just to be with you guys, and I'm preaching on the passage of the demoniac today, which comes from, which is everybody's favorite subject again. We love speaking about demons, um, and I was wondering, I haven't really like faced a lot of spiritual warfare, which I believe is a real thing, um, and typically when I preach from a passage like this, I feel like I kind of step into some like just stuff, um, and I hadn't. This morning, I was like, this is interesting. Like, I'm about to preach on this. Some of the things in this passage are very, like, they're very real things that are unseen but affect people, and, and so, but then it happened. Then I started to, like, the attack started to happen. I literally, like, and I don't get to this point usually, but as we started praise and worship, I was like, in knots, and I feel like, I just feel like God wants to speak something to you today. I don't feel like I have to make anything extra of it. I think it is what it is. I do hope it's interesting. I'm not going to perform it, if that's okay with you guys. I'm just going to preach, and I'm going to believe what it is, and I'm going to share with you what I've prepared, and I'm just going to believe he's going to do some neat things in you, right? Or show you some things, or allow you to be turned in such a way that you have to throw yourself back into it. Sometimes the word is just that. Sometimes it's so confusing and ridiculous that you have to be like, wait a second, this is one of those passages. This is a passage about a demoniac. But first, um, we've been in the book of Mark, and we're going to stay in the book of Mark for a while. Um, we're now in, in chapter 5, but we've just walked through how uh, we talked about the seed. Bill talked about the soil and the types of soil. And then we talked about a storm. So we left last week's passage, and the disciples had just been on a boat with Jesus and started freaking out because it got stormy, and Jesus is asleep. And they get upset at him, rebuke Jesus. Jesus wakes up and he's like, and just rebukes the storm and makes it stop. And so as we're kind of turning the corner into what we're going to talk about today, they've just had a moment where their whole idea of Jesus has kind of been shuffled in a good way. So they're getting off a boat, literally a boat, in a minute, and they're thinking, he just stinking calmed a storm. He just told nature to stop. So they're like, Jesus' mojo is probably pretty high at this moment, which is interesting because as soon as they land the boat in this passage, a man full of two to 6,000 demons meets them on the shore at night, which is horrifying, right? It, I don't care if, if, you're, if you mean only good things. If it's late at night and you, you come at me quick, you could have money in your hand, I'm not happy about it. These guys get off a boat, and a demoniac finds them, right? And, but I love how you take into this previous passage consideration. He's able to calm a storm, a literal storm. So maybe he gave that to them as a gift before this. Maybe they couldn't handle the demoniac unless they saw him do that to nature, because that would be freaking people out, any of us, right? Like, I do want to start by saying this. We tend to not only romanticize things like Mother's Day and weddings and fairy tale stuff, but we also do it sometimes with certain topics in the Bible. And listening to a message of a friend of mine yesterday, just brought up some good points that I just want to share with you. Not everything is about Satan, Satan attacking you, right? Like sometimes a dog barks at you and it's just a dog barking. It's just a dog barking. Sometimes you stub your foot and the enemy was not behind it, right? Humanity is humanity. Like we're, we are born and start dying, correct? Like our, our first day is the process towards death. So everything, but I do believe, yes, I do believe 
that what it says in Ephesians 6.2, can you pull this up for me, please, is real. This is definitely not the one. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Man, I think I, told, I think I told you the right one. I told you the wrong one. So it's the passage about our struggle is not of flesh and blood, but of spiritual. It's a spiritual, it's a dimension that exists, right? Like that we, we know about. We talked about a few weeks ago in the Old Testament when the man was about to fight a battle. He was scared he was going to get killed. And then God showed him the angel army with him. Like, and he's like, oh, I think I got this. I think I got this. So I, I believe it's real. I believe that there is an attack. I believe that when things happen, sometimes it is definitely definitely an attack. Not everything is though, right? Not everything can be summed up by those two things, right? Then like my friend said yesterday, then it just becomes like a little bit like a hokey pokey kind of religion or a little bit of like a like voodoo type of thing. It's not it, right? Like I'm not worried all the time about what Satan might do to me. Just for you guys to know, I believe he's real and he, he's roaring like a lion seeking someone to devour. I believe all those things, but I'm, I'm not walking around scared to death of what he might do to me. And I don't think you should be either, just to be honest with you. I do believe that he has power. He's called the power of the prince of the air that we're going to talk about in a minute. He has some type of authority given to him, but I personally think even that has to submit to Jesus and is used then for the good of as it's transformed. So I, I just want to put him in his place really quickly. I don't want to give him credit for everything. It's not all him. Like sometimes you just got sick because there's a cold going around. It's just It's not the enemy. But this morning, I, I started to sense, I can start to feel when like, this feels weird. Two weeks ago, we were sitting outside of our house, and the strangest occurrence of things, I, I think he sometimes places things together really neatly that's like, oh my gosh, that's real. So I, I have a knock on our door, we just moved a half mile from here, and I open it, and I'm already kind of out of my element. I'm like, why is this person, I don't know you. She starts talking, does Pam live here? I'm like, I don't know Pam. As soon as she says, does Pam live here, a car drives by. And four guys are in it, and they roll down the window. I can't say, <laughs> I can't say any of the things he said, you know what I'm saying, because it wouldn't be appropriate. But he says, I'm going to rob your blanking house tonight. He screamed that at me. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh. That just happened. And the lady was like, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I was like, no, you come back here. This is your fault. It was just like one of those things, you know, like, I just believe, and so this is what happened to me, that it threw me into like this tense fear. Like I was like, oh snap, like where's my weapons? I've got like, I've got rocks. I don't have weapons. I have a knife. They're going to laugh at a knife, literally like, <laughs> that's cute. So, but, but again, like I do believe, because that was like my kids my, and my son was walking out as it's happening. He was clueless, oblivious of what was happening. But like your, your instant, like fraternal instinct kicks in and I'm, you know, like, I'm scared, literally scared. I'm not saying that to my family, but I'm walking around, like, checking everything. So I, that night, though, when it gets dark, I would walk around the property, like, doing weird stuff that I normally wouldn't do. I'm anointing trees with oil, and <laughs> I'm, like, claiming dirt for the kingdom. Like, this is kingdom dirt. This dirt belongs to Jesus. And that dirt, too, I'd walked all four corners, and I was, like, praying and rubbing corners. I don't even know if it, I mean, I'm honest, I don't even know if that works. I'm just being honest with you. Every doorway in my house, anointed it with oil. And then I was like, thank you. I literally was like, thank you that that happened, because I probably should have done that already. I probably should have done that when we moved in. So that's what I'm saying. I do believe 
sometimes the enemy's behind some of the attacks in our lives, but honestly, like if, if seen rightly and put into perspective, it really only just plays into a bigger picture of what Jesus is trying to do. Does that make sense? doesn't mean it's not scary or painful, and I think that's what's happening here in this passage as we talk about it. So before we do that, though, I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you a really honest question. I'm not looking for spiritual answers. I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm definitely not looking for a verbal answer. The question is, who are you? Who are you? Don't overthink it. Don't talk to me. Don't say it to your neighbor. Just in your mind. Who are you? My thought is that in Christianity, in the south part of our nation, we're so church that most of us came up with a pretty spiritual answer. So I'll ask an even deeper question. Do you believe what you just said in your mind? Or did you just hear it 11 times? Who are you? And I just give space here, Father, for you to label those things. And for you, and this is what we're going to do. I'm just going to give him a second to tell you a couple things you're not. I'm not leading it, though. He's leading it in your mind. Father, just say some things to him. Some of you, some of you are going to have your most baffling moment right now this morning. Not from the message, not from worship, but just you hearing the voice of your father saying the thing that you're not. Speak it clearly, Father. Destroy the lies. The things that we are not, tell us what, what we're not so that we can move away from them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read you really quickly the, the, the main passage for today. This is Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to do my best to not riff off this. I've been struggling with that lately, though. I've been wanting to just talk about every little verse. So here we go. Mark, 1, Mark 5, 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man who had an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one can bind him anymore, not even with a chain for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles into pieces. That's strong. That's strength. Breaking shackles. Like this, this is real. This to me is the part of the passage where it's not just a metaphor, right? Breaking, okay, good. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, he was among the tombs on the mountains. He was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before Jesus. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. It's important to note here, the spirit did not come out of the man. Make sense? Jesus is, this is, this is one of those curveballs to me I need to throw myself back into scripture. Jesus had been saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Nothing's happened yet, okay? Am I saying Jesus has no power? I'm not saying that. I'm saying something else is happening here. Does that make sense? Because usually when Jesus does that, done, right? Not in this case. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, 
for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out into the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, sorry, I have to riff. It goes back and forth. It's them talking to Jesus and then him. Are you catching that? There are times when it's a single voice, and there's times when it's voices talking to Jesus. This is interesting. Send us into the pigs and let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Who's heard this before? Who's never heard this passage before? Raise your hand. It's fantastic. You've all heard that's crazy, right? Like, this is crazy stuff. Crazy. I've never even seen 2,000 pigs together. I'm just being honest with you. I've seen maybe 10 pigs together. First off, if I see 2,000 pigs any time in my life, I'm, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. Because I'm not going to be Mark chapter 17, like the new version. Like, where's what's about to happen? Am I him? Am I legion? Oh, my gosh. Like, this is a crazy passage. In Christianity, this is something, like, I, th- I think about it this morning in worship. Some of our people express themselves in a way that's not tidy. I like that. Listen, like, Christianity, if, if it needs to all make sense to you, you're already behind. Because it's built on someone coming back from death. So for it all to be tidy and neat, it's, you've already started wrong, right? It starts on a miracle. So you need to think through, like, if you have drawn lines about some things that can or can't be real, you need to ask yourself why. Because the whole thing is founded on something that's impossible, So why can't other things be possible, right? Why is it limited? I just think sometimes we draw lines and boundaries because it's comfortable for us. We like our our Christianity neat, thank you very much, with a side of fries. Jesus is like, it's not always neat. you got to make space for the things that don't make sense. It's important. Like That's important. I had no plan of saying that. Smack. The herdsmen, so this is, and this is a beautiful thing. Like, this happens. Amazing story. Jesus is probably like, this is just one of my things, guys. I know it's awesome, but like, you're going to see some crazy stuff. So the herdsmen who should be ticked. I'm not sure how much a pig cost in those days, but 2,000 of them probably put somebody under, like generationally under. Like their whole family line is like, no money. That's a lot of money. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country, and people came to see what had happened? And they came to Jesus and saw a demon-possessed man. Also interesting to note, they're still labeling this guy what they know him as. Like, that's a demon-possessed man. The one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. <laughs> this is another. They're not excited this dude just got free from 2,000 demons. They're afraid that he's not demon-possessed. They're afraid that he's not as he was. And those that had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. <laughs> this pig is a story. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. I, I think it's easy for us to see how ridiculous that sounds. I would put money on us being in the crowd at that point, saying the same stuff. I'm not saying that to you. Don't be like, 
He's, he's speaking lies. I'm just saying, there's a reason why everybody's wanting this to happen. As he was getting back into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. I've never preached a sermon that Jesus does not want to be with you. I've never preached that sermon. I've never once. We sang a sermon today about Jesus always, or Jesus always wants to be. Here's a story in the Bible where someone desires deeply to be with Jesus, and he tells them that they can't. I'm just going to leave it there and just go home. Okay, why are we coming to church ever again? And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. There's a lot here. This is a fantastic story. It's real, I think. So many things I want to point out, but I've just got a few that I've got to share with you. The demoniac is so far from what we can relate to. I will say this. I've seen people who have been possessed by something and were not acting. I've seen it. I've seen a student in our youth ministry that in Canton, Georgia, that had no clue what Christianity was or how to even fake it if he wanted to. I've seen him walk over to me and say, and weeping, say, me and my girlfriend just last night played with some kind of weird game and invited, we said words that invited things into our, and he started freaking out in front of me, and he's six foot nine. His body went boom and bounced. Didn't protect his head or nothing. I've literally seen that, okay? I can't convince you, nor do I need to. Whether or not this is real, it was perceived real to the man who was the demoniac. He thought it, even if it wasn't. So the point is that it, if it is or if it isn't, Jesus is still more powerful. If it is or if it isn't. And sometimes the ones that aren't even there but we think are there are more powerful. But they're also powerful if there's 2,000 demons living inside of you. That sounds awful, right? Like... Nobody wakes up and there's like, I want to be legion today. No. So I think they're real. I do. I think all of it's real. But I think the part we can relate to, like it says three things specifically. Living amongst the tombs. This means this person. And in this place, this is where they sent somebody. Because this is where people were buried. This is where they would put their demoniac away from society. That's where that person goes. He would sleep amongst the tombs. So we don't sleep amongst the tombs, but, right, like, some of us are so, I mean, I'll just use some strong words. Things like depression, and I don't think you can just tell somebody who's depressed to stop being depressed. I think that's maybe the dumbest thing you can tell them. I think things like um, self-hate. I think things like always, always living in shame. I think things like um, there's never going to be any hope. I think those are things that lead me to think, maybe the enemy's trying to do something. Does that mean you're the demoniac? No, I just think those are real things that when I've experienced them in my life, I've felt very captive. i felt like I lived amongst the tombs. Just being shackled, like this person is shackled. I, I'm maybe, the, I maybe a, the most addicted person in this room. I maybe struggle with that more than anybody. I maybe have to wake up every day and pray, I do not want to be as I was because I like to feel different. Because I don't like to feel like me. Because I don't know who me is. Like that's maybe, maybe my always prayer. Maybe I was so shackled and chained. And you guys know my story. I spent a lot of time in rehabilitation. Maybe you're shackled and chained. Maybe you don't know how to move past that. 
those things to me are some of the ways that the enemy, I think, does attack us. And then it mentions like cutting with rocks, right? Like he sat amongst the tombs and would take rocks and cut themselves. Like if there's not a clear picture of something actually happening today, it literally has resurfaced. And I was a youth pastor, so I would like see kids walk in all the time. It's like just gashes all over the body. I'm like, what are we praying for you? Let's pray for you, man. This is a literal thing. And my friend who preached this sermon recently said, this maybe is the most evil thing. When the enemy can trick you so deeply into hating yourself. I have literally caught myself, and I've told you guys, I've caught myself saying, I hate you before, to myself. And in ministry, not like clean Josh, like dirty Josh, now clean. Like I've woken up and felt like I've done such a poor job. And literally caught myself saying, I hate you. And been like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not at that spot anymore. Like God is bringing some, this church is a big part of like my healing as well. But I'm telling you, like these things are real and these people who relate to that part, maybe they're, they're definitely not possessed by 2,000 demons, but they live amongst the tombs with smiles on their faces. They're shackled with invisible chains. They hate themselves, and you can't even tell. Those are the people that Jesus wants to sit with. Those are the people that we have to learn how to love. We don't need to find an island to put them on where the bad people go. They need to know that if they have to throw themselves on the ground before us, we will be there to talk with them. Does that make sense? So this is what happens. This person comes out and meets Jesus and throws themselves on the ground and is sitting in a sitting spot with Jesus. And nobody's freaking out because they just saw him still a storm. And the conversation happens. And he's evidently said a few times, come out of the man. And he doesn't, doesn't come out. And then he says, well, tell me your name. And he says, well, my name is Legion. And there's a couple trains of thought here, and I'm just going to share them with you. One, there are actual legions of armies that would travel through, and there were 6,000 men in those legions. And some people think that he had had such a bad run-in with a legion in the army. Maybe the army legion came through and killed his family. They were known for coming through and killing. And are there any kids in here? Raping and destroying, and beating into submission. Maybe that's part of it. There's also superstition about demonic influences of 6,000 demons. And so there was all these things coming. But the, the point to me is this man identified. And the craziest thing is Jesus is not trying to talk to the real man. Right? Jesus is trying to talk to Whatever else is not him. Even so much to get the, the name to say what they are. We don't actually ever hear this dude's name. What's this guy's name? How do, how do we know him? The demoniac, right? We don't even know his name. That goes against every sermon series I've ever taught on identity. But we do know that Jesus can look into the parts that aren't him and start to weed. I remember when I was taking my SAT. I took my GED. I had to take a class on how to take the SAT. I needed help. One of the most powerful lessons I ever learned was learning to cross things out that could not be the right answer. Like a multiple choice question for me was like, it threw me into a tailspin. I was done. So they were like, well, just make, mark the ones you know that aren't the answer. You guys remember when they taught you this? Mark them off. One, two, three. And there's only two left. I'm totally good at guessing between one or two things. Super good at that. That's why I killed the GED, right? Super good at that. So 
I love how Jesus enters this situation. And as I'm asking you that question when we start today, who are you? If you're being honest, probably some of the roles you play in life, maybe one like mother or worker or doctor or nurse or baseball player or athlete, all these things start surfing, coming up. And the ones that I just believe Jesus is doing, the ones that aren't you, he's going, because the reality is it's not only are those there, but also stupid. Dumb, which is also stupid. I'm not stupid, so don't <laughs> stop it. Ugly, um, worthless, like all the things, those come up too. So I love how in this man, like he doesn't just say, rise up, Lazarus. He says, <laughs> fixed it. I'm not stupid, guys. Stop saying that. <laughs> he says, he asked the not hymns to speak. And, and his names are, and the name is Legion, and he sends the Legion into pigs. I heard something recently about how, you know, the passage in Ephesians 2 talks about how our previous enemy is, is the, basically, can you just pull up Ephesians 2? We'll just read it really quickly. Hope this is Ephesians 2. That's 612. That's, there's a 2 in there. Do you have, do you have Ephesians 2? Hey, Okay. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So there's a title given to an enemy, princes of the power of air. And I think it's interesting that this voice speaks for thousands. When you live in a culture where you're told who you are, by everything. You literally have 10 social media things where you can project the best version of you on each one. Probably none of them are real, right? I'm still waiting for an accurate depiction of who we are on social media, right? Just accurate. Just people just burping, like women burping, like doing nasty, like real things, right? Instead of like duck face selfies for like 11 minutes, like you know, this, and this is the tricky society that we live in, the prince of the power of the air, like these, and I'm not saying Jesus, or the enemy controls Facebook, I'm not saying the enemy is the internet, I'm not saying any, any of that, but I'm saying like a lot of the messages we receive from him come through some of those means, right? Think about it, like when you pass a billboard, what do you want to be? Like you want to be pretty, you want to be attractive, you want to be strong, you want to grow old, you want to be rich, successful, like these messages, these things... I bet there are like 2,000 different things that we want to be inside of us. And I bet for a lot of us, we don't even know who we are. We couldn't even say it and really mean it. Who am I? I bet it is a lot like a legion of personalities that is within us that we can't even figure out. So I just think, I think it, this really does relate to us. This demoniac, it does relate to us. So, moving forward, he sends them into the pigs. The pigs go into the sea. Craziest scene ever. Just seeing 2,000 pigs run into water and die. Just nuts. And the man is in his right mind at this point and seated with Jesus in a conversation. And then they go and tell the townspeople. And the townspeople come back and they're upset that he's not a demoniac anymore. I relate to this a little bit. I don't ever feel like I was filled by demons 
But I do know that I cause a lot of harm. And I do know that for a season in my life, I was known as that. I was trouble. I think that would be a, a, a title that was given me. That trouble. This guy's trouble. I was a thief. And I remember the first time I ever kind of stood my ground after really experiencing Jesus. And I remember seeing the friends and how they looked at me, how it changed. There was not a lot of people that were happy about it. Like you think when you receive Jesus and you start going after the Lord, like everybody's going to be cheering for you. But the truth is, like a lot of people are actually the opposite for you. And I don't think they're the enemy. I just think it's confusing. I think it's confusing for people, right? Because your whole reality and your whole norm just got restructured. And what might that imply for them? For these people, 2,000 pigs from their town had just been killed. Their food supply is now messed up. Because they're not Jews. They did eat. This is Decapolis, the 10 cities. They did eat these pigs, right? Like us, unless you don't eat pigs. So this is a big deal for them. When they see Jesus, they're not pumped that he just did a miracle. They're afraid. And they ask him, Jesus, could you just please leave? We would just appreciate it if you would leave. And of course, Jesus being Jesus, being asked to leave, he leaves. And then the saddest but greatest thing happens, this demoniac, now not a demoniac, now we don't know his name, he's just throws himself again at Jesus' feet. And is like, I see you guys getting on the boat. I would really like to come with you. Like, just, there's not messages preached on this. No, you're not coming with me. But Jesus, I just literally got saved. I don't actually, I didn't just get saved. Whatever that was, you're not, you haven't even died. I just want to come with you. No, you're not coming with me. You're not coming with me. I don't, I'm not like your disciples. I don't know a lot. I don't know how this works. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, you're not coming with me, right? You're not coming with me. Well, He's not mad either. Like, I'd be like, oh, I really need to come with you. All these people saw me as a demon-possessed guy. I really have no place. I live amongst the tombs. There's nothing for me here. Well, you know what? You're going to go back to your friends, and you're going to show them. You're not going to tell them, which I think is important. The disciples are walking with him everywhere. This person's just freed. So he's sent to Decapolis, the ten cities, to show people what Jesus had did and to talk about it. Just that. So he's not there to make disciples. He's just there to be the first living seed to Decapolis, which we talked about last week. It will come in the form of a seed. This seed is chosen. This seed is the demoniac. Jesus chooses the demoniac. This is a curveball. This is weird to me. Did the enemy attack him because he knew he'd be the first seed to Decapolis? Did he do that to him? Because he knew this person's about to change Decapolis, the ten cities, where Jesus has not been. This is going to be the first gospel person. Did the enemy attack him because of that? Or did the attack happen and then God used him because of that? I don't, there's not, I don't know. I don't know. In either case, the first witness of Jesus to these 10 cities is someone who had 2,000 demons in them. And he, is, and he is walking with 12 men who is learning everything that he wants. What this does mean is it's not bad to learn. Okay, You should all learn good and read good. Theology is not evil. Seminary is not of the devil. It's not bad for people to be trained. If you're not free and you're bound, like if, you're, if you still feel like you're living amongst the tombs, you're still shackled in addiction, you still hate yourself, you probably don't want to be sent to the ten cities in that state, right? You can't demand to be sent, right? He has to truly free you, and you have to be with him for that to happen. The only freedom for him came at Jesus' feet, listening. 
and Jesus sorting out in him, all right, I'm going to tell you the parts of you that aren't you. You're going to need me to tell you this. I don't know why you're going to need me to tell you this. You're going to need me to tell you that that's not you. Come out. That's not you. Come out. Legion, you go ahead and come out. I'm going to put you in the pigs. You all, you come out. He doesn't even tell him what he is, but he tells him what he isn't so strongly that he's freaking out. So sometimes we don't even need to know specifically, I am carpenter. I am singer. I am preacher. You just need clarity on exactly what you're not. Because those things, there's many more, right? And then he shows you through the process of discipleship. It talks about later when Jesus returns to this region, 4,000 people show up to hear him preach. Do you know why they showed up to hear him preach? Because demoniac, as they knew him, was walking around just talking about Jesus. This guy, I'm telling you, this guy just showed up in a boat. He got out of his boat. He had a little trolling motor like we talked about last week. (laughs) Got out of his boat, and I promise you, he, he made me in my right mind completely. And so people, by the time Jesus had come back, wanted to go, wanted to go here. Like, there was no, like, crusade on, like, it was just this guy's story. That, just one story, like, just one story. So, so why am I saying all this? I don't really know. But, so, so today, for you, like, I don't think you're the demoniac, but I do think sometimes we need to pray for people who, are struggling with that. I think sometimes we're, we are so far outside of the presence of Jesus that sometimes other influences, there are, the enemy is like a roaring lion. I do think there's only some that come out through prayer and fasting. I believe that. That's just truth. But I think for most of us, the real truth is that you need to know who you're not, and you need to sit with him long enough for him to be able to tell you that. It's not about like reading a 10-point plan and then attacking the nations with the gospel. It's not about a new business structure that's going to... It's really just about like the spiritual disciplines and formation. Like None of it happens outside of you being with Christ. And if this is the only spot that happens, you're not going to know enough about who you're not. You're, only gonna, you're still going to have a collection of things telling you who you have to be. When Jesus is saying, you spend time with me, the more you spend time with me, the more clear-minded you'll be, the more driven you'll be for the right things. And I will send you. I will send you. He will send you. But if, you're, if this person's only desire... When they saw Jesus was, send me to Decapolis, I wonder if he would have even gone. If he would have showed up to the boat and be like, now you send me to Decapolis. Jesus would be like, no, you get in the boat. You're coming with me. You're like these guys. They all think they know more than me anyway. But he wanted to be with Jesus. This is so baffling. Like, it's so baffling. I want to be with you. No, I'm sending you to your friends. You're going. You're freed. You're clean. You don't have a clue what's going on, but you're in your right mind now. You're just going to be like a walking testimony everywhere you go. So if you feel like a demonic or if you feel like any type of attack or if you feel like you are in a spot like this man was in any way, there's more to the story. There's more to the end. It's more than just you finally letting the chains be broken. Please hear me when I say this. God, just give me guidance when I say this. Don't make friends with addictions. They're not your friends. You think you can manage them. They're unmanageable. They eventually do things that will destroy. Throw yourself on Jesus. Be honest. Be honest. You can be honest here. Don't hide if you feel like you live amongst the tombs. I know it's hard. Let people walk with you. Let people in. Bring to light what the enemy is trying to keep in the dark. You're not a terrible human. 
you're not a terrible person. You're not the bad seed. You're not the one that got away. You're not... Jesus wants, like we said earlier, he's pursuing you. And some of us, he'll have to do some super deep work. So Father, just bring clarity to the people who live amongst the tombs, who live shackled, and who hate themselves. You see them as people who can be freed. In Jesus' name, thank you. One last thing before we pray. If we happen to be the crowd or the town, which I, I, I think we are a lot, that's really hard for the demonized to know that they can come. Like, it's easy to have a demon on an island that we say, well, at least we're not like him. At least we're not like Legion. And maybe Legion isn't who you're pointing at, but if there is someone in your life, you're like, at least I'm not as bad as him. When you're like, when Josh is talking about me spending time with Jesus, you're like, I really don't want to do that, but at least I'm not as bad as this guy. That's your Legion. And Jesus helping means that you now have to interact with what he might want to do in you. And for this community, they're like, I'm pretty much the same as this guy. He's just farther along. What might he want to do in me? And they would just rather send him away than have him look into their life. So if we are, Father, if we are that, that community that just wants to push you away when you start to look at us, we'd rather not see miracles. We'd rather not see you heal. We would just like to be left alone. Do what you need to do, God. We corporately as a body give you space to kind of uh, pierce through those walls. Even if singularly we can't do it yet, we corporately say, ruffle our feathers in a good way, God, that brings freedom and healing. Break every chain, God. Break every chain. Unshackle the people who are shackled. Bring out of the tombs, God, those who are hiding, those who are shamed. Restore identity, God. Whatever you want to call us. I know in... In Corinthians, God, we're created in Christ Jesus. We are new creations. I know that. We're new creations. We're adopted. We're sons and daughters. We're part of the family. We're heirs to that kingdom. I know this. But God, right now, clarify what we're not. Thank you, Jesus. If the worship um, people would come up. To end today, and the prayer people, if you guys could go ahead and come up as well. I am just going to read this. I wasn't going to do I am. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. If you're one of those people living amongst the tomb, shackled, or you feel like you hate yourself, I'm going to read this over you, almost as like a prophetic, and read it with me. If, you're, if, that's, if your heart is like, I'm that person, you can pull this up. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not fear, for, for he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He prepares a place for you before the presence of the enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall, shall, shall follow you all the days of your life. And you shall lie down and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we just pray that over every person who feels like they're shackled. So if you guys, um, just for the next few moments, we're going to give some space for ministry time.
this is the Sunday more than any I've ever had this many people walking up to me and say they feel like the Lord is saying something. So I've had literally like 27 people walk up and say, God is speaking freedom for today. Or God wants to, multiple people came up and said, God wants, it's like prodigals are returning home. And for moms who feel like your kids aren't, that God is speaking today, that he's going to bring, bring them back. I've had multiple people. So I just want to challenge the people who felt like God was speaking something during this time. If you feel like you would like to pray with someone, I ask that you use wisdom, kindness, and offer yourself in prayer. Don't demand that you pray. And see if God's leading you to someone to pray. Does that make sense? You have the space in here to do that. For everyone else, I just ask that you give the Lord space. Sit with him. Throw yourself at his feet. Help him just clarify who you are and who you're not. So, Father, we thank you for these moments that you're going to give us here today. In Jesus' name. I just pray, God, that our community would be a place for the demonized to find a home, for those that other churches would send away, for the people who really need you, God, that don't feel like they have a friend, that don't feel like they even know how to talk with people, the people that really need you, Jesus, that they would find a home here, that we would be like a collection of redeemed orphans and misfits, and that we would be an honest, hopeful community caring community, but not just because we were taught how to do it in a two-hour period. Help us to be a serving community that gives of ourselves, not just for church events, God, but where, where real life happens in homes with kids and adults. And Help us to give of ourselves in our actual time. I pray that your blessing would be so strong in our church, God, that the presence of Christ would be stronger than it's ever been. And we'd be accepting of you, God. I pray today for freedom. And I pray for your spirit to go before us. I thank you, Jesus, for every good gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.